0: Now in its third year, it's a Yank on the Footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 132 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio, and I am absolutely thrilled that you're listening. In this episode of our 2022 AFL previews, I had the pleasure of sitting down to talk again with David Lloyd of the Corn the Pear podcast, and we are going to be talking all things Port Adelaide. And I had David on last year to preview the club, and uh, he was kind enough to donate his time again this year, and just an absolutely top-notch bloke, and uh, it's, uh was an absolute pleasure to talk to him. Don't forget, ladies and gents, that you can find everything related to the podcast over at my website, uh, yankonthefooty.com, and I do hope you'll consider checking it out. You can leave me a voicemail there. You can share your views on an issue. If you've got a question, you can also sign up for the mailing list as well. And if you're somebody who would like to be a guest on the podcast, you can also fill out the Register as a Guest form over there as well. If you like the show, I do hope you'll consider helping me out with my Buy Me a Coffee page. You can click on the little button on my website for that. And also, if you're interested in any gear for the podcast, you can check out my Redbubble page as well, which is also there. I do hope that you enjoy my chat with David Lloyd of the Corn the Pear podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome back to the podcast, David Lloyd of the Corn the Pear podcast. David is here to share his thoughts on his beloved Port Adelaide power and their prospects for 2022. David, thanks for coming back on today, sir. Appreciate talking to you.
1: Not a problem, Craig. Thank you for having me. I uh, look forward to having a bit of a chat about, I guess, how Port Adelaide finished up last year and how we're, we're going uh, into 2022.
0: Well, yeah, you, uh, you, you thumped us pretty good there in the, uh, in the, uh, finals. So I, uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit, but, uh, you know, if there's a club who I think could be referred to as a, a premiership contender this year, I think that that Port Adelaide probably falls into that category.
1: I'd certainly like to think so. Um, having a bit of a look around the competition at who the, the pace setters are obviously last year's grand finalists, Melbourne and the Bulldogs are two of the teams to beat and, um, One of the quieter years, I think, on the trade front where uh, sides that are sort of around the bottom half of the eight typically try and trade in some gun players to Mm -hmm. uh, increase their chances. That wasn't really the case uh, last year. Um, Quality player trades were very few and far between. So I think it's, um, yeah, I can't see a lot of change at the top end of the ladder and, and hopefully Port Adelaide are one of those sides that can be there again.
0: I, I would be surprised if they were not. I mean, you know, they they had they had a couple of great runs of success during the year in 2021. You know, they won five out of their first six, and before finals started, they won nine out of their last ten. I mean, they had some. You know, they had a they had a span in there of about six or seven games where they kind of fluctuated. You know, two wins, a loss here, that sort of thing. But you know, overall, they had a great home and away season. That you know, if, if you're a Port Adelaide fan, you can't help but be buoyed by that knowing that this was you know that this club had a had a really good year of course it didn't end the way that that you were hoping it was going to end because you you know you ran into uh to the uh to the bulldogs there and and i don't know if you'd ask a bulldog supporter if they would uh say you know what go ahead and knock us out the round before so we don't have to go get stomped on by the D's (laughs) the following week but you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: yeah that that last game of the year um, changed the complexion of the the makeup of the uh, the top 4 completely you know port adelaide winning that <laughs> that last minor round game over over the bulldogs and then uh, melbourne you know that after the siren win over geelong yeah brisbane brisbane getting that late point to to jump into the four that a lot of things sort of conspired against the Bulldogs that week to drop out of the um, right, right the top four. But uh, yeah, as you said, ultimately it kept them away from Melbourne, which uh, was a good thing. But yeah, that little period through the middle of the year for last year for Port, we um, we had a few players injured, and we we sort of had several who who struggled to get back onto the uh, onto the park. And then when they did, they feel like we sort of ran out a little bit of puff towards the end of the year. They perhaps. Um, got back and and uh didn't quite have the conditioning they needed to finish off the year strong so yeah kind of felt like like our last month probably wasn't our best footy uh but uh yeah on the injury front hopefully we have a, a little better run with it in this coming season and we have our, our best team out there more often
0: yeah because you had you had a couple big names that missed uh, you know some pretty significant amount of time last year so it you know if they get everybody back healthy if I'm not mistaken didn't Xavier Dursma missed Several rounds last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, correct.
1: Dursmer only played 11 games for the yeah. year, and Zach Butter Zach Butters only played 12. And when you talk about guys who are only in their third season of mm-hmm. senior football, being uh, crucial, um, I guess one it's a dipping your cap to how how good they are as players, but also how important they were to our, our side. And yeah, only getting 11 and 12 games out of them respectively. Um, yeah, it didn't help us and, and certainly I think Butters was one that, uh, uh, what I mentioned there about not quite having the conditioning to see the year out at full strength. I think he sort of faded a bit towards the end of the year and and Dersmer a little the same and um, and also Tom Cleary who was uh, sort of our key defender, deep key defender, uh, broke his jaw mid-year and then just wasn't able to get back into the side. So those three guys, the loss of them really hurt. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I, I think by the time we gelled again it was we, I think we peaked about 3 weeks before the finals which is not ideal. You want to be uh, at your best when uh, when the whips are cracking and we yeah, probably just fell a little short of being our best at the end of the year.
0: So y- you have got uh, you know, one of the one of the great things that hap- that did happen for for Port last year was you you got the club's first Brownlow medalist ever.
1: And it Yeah, was... Ollie Wines, he was he was exceptional last year on our on our podcast. We we couldn't we couldn't offer enough superlatives for, for wines this season. His his numbers just were were phenomenal, week in, week out. He was uh, possessions, you know, contested possessions, doing the, the role that he plays, he he really did. Um, I don't think anyone would say he wasn't wasn't deserving of, of last year's Brownlow medal. He he was a model of consistency and his consistency was at a really high level. Right, and, right. Uh, and accordingly went into the Brownlow Counters as the favourite, and uh, and rightly, uh, rightly saluted. So, yeah, um, hell of a nice guy um, has uh, really established himself. As as one of our leaders, he, he was co-captain the year before. Um, mm-hmm. That that co-captaincy, we uh, we dropped that system, and Wines went back to vice captain. But he's obviously the heir apparent for for the job again in the not too distant future. And yeah, our very first Brownlow medalist at AFL level, yeah, was, was really good to see.
0: And and he just you know he just looks like a you know clean cut you know decent young man. And I'm say young man because every everybody in this game to me is a young man uh by by you know and he's, even the people who are considered old are young men <laughs> Correct. People like me. Correct.
1: look he's he's a he's a pilot already he's got his pilot license so i guess when you say you know wow. clean cut, one of those one of those things for uh you know being a pilot you obviously need to be uh, a very clean cut individual so he uh, he flies uh, small aircraft light aircraft okay. now and i, I believe he's uh, at one stage his desire was to become a commercial pilot post football okay um whether whether that's still the case i guess in the modern world we live in but um yeah he uh yeah he, he very much uh, as you said clean cut and i'm pretty sure the uh most uh, most mums with uh, if daughter brought ollie wines home to say uh introducing the boyfriend i think most mums and dads would be pretty happy with that yeah well,
0: un- oh. unless unless they're a crow supporter <laughs> exactly <laughs> Well, you 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 mentioned the you know the, the pilot thing. You know, you got you know. I don't know if you're a fan of Iron Maiden, but you know the singer Bruce Dickinson. You know, flies yeah. yeah flies. You know the 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 big jets because you know he he flew there. He flew the band on their tour about eight or nine years ago. You know, as they traveled the world, he he flew the band all around the world on that tour, which is which is kind of I cool.
1: Forget, I forget the word used to describe him, but it's a it's a word basically. It it comes down to being. I think there's five or seven um things that you need to do and that's they speak multiple languages have written a book yeah you know have these sort of elite standards and Bruce Dickerson is is indeed one of those he's oh, absolutely uh, he's an amazing man
0: yeah I I'm going to show my age again I saw them in concert in 1987 so that's <laughs> <laughs> a little while ago now It's, it's been a while yes and they're and they're <laughs> still going strong yeah so indeed you know, you, uh, your side, you know, you dropped a few players, you know, you had a couple that were, uh, that were delisted, uh, Tom Rockliffe retired, you know, Peter Laddams headed off to Sydney. Uh, who are you most reluctant to see leave the side out of the group that left? Yeah, there's, uh,
1: there's probably two. Uh, I, I think, I think Pete Laddams may be one who comes back to uh, to haunt us a little, having said that our our recruiting team and our list management team over the last five years haven't got a lot wrong. Mm-hmm. Players that we've players that we've traded out, and there's been several along the way that who who we thought were uh, you know, Chad Wingard, all Australian, Jared Polak, very good player when when we saw his best. Um, they they probably haven't gone on to become better players at the club. That they've moved to where I think Laddams may do that. Um, I think he, um, look, it, it's a calculated risk that we took, which was to, to get ourselves uh higher in the draft and uh and move up a couple of positions, which we did to get hold of Josh Sin, who I'll probably touch on a little bit later. Um, but you know, then we then we brought in players who we've been able to trade in who've become better players, you know, Alir right. Alir come in. Sydney, and you know, while he was a good player at Sydney, we bring him in and they turn him into an All Australian defender. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Latham's probably the top of that. Tom Rockcliffe, unfortunately, his days were had come to an end. Um, injury had got uh, got the better of him. Uh, Hamish Hartlett, after uh, nearly 200 games, um, much loved member of our uh, our club. We we chose to go in a different direction. We've got a lot of youth in that area, sort of half back and you know, running defenders. So. That was, a I guess that was purely a generational change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, probably one who I'm a little surprised we we delisted was Jared Leaner, who uh, sort of told defender who probably didn't get enough opportunity or hadn't got enough opportunity at AFL level. Um, but when he did, I thought he was uh, very capable. So from a, a backup defender, I thought we might have kept Jared Leaner. I was a little surprised there. But, yeah, the, look, Adams, I think, is the
0: one who... Um, yeah offers the most potential. In many ways, you know, know, Port Adelaide is in many ways in a very similar decision, in a similar position to a club like Geelong, you know, who have, you know, a very well-established, well, in the case of Geelong, veteran side, uh, that it's it's hard to find your way into the 22 on a consistent basis because you have such, you know, a strong core of players right there. It's hard to, you know, to meander your way into the, into the, uh, into the list and and find yourself getting a game week in and week out.
1: Yeah. Look, particularly if you're not a top 10 player, you know, you guys like, you know, Jeremy Cameron come into Geelong and, you know, obviously slot straight into the best 22, but when you're, when you're sort of on the, on the fringe, when you're in that sort of uh, 25 to 30 on the list Mm -hmm. to get into the, the, the top, the sides that are up around the top of the ladder, it's, yeah, genuinely hard work to turn sort of from being, you know, seven or eight spots out to make your way in uh, and then when you do get in, you just have to take your take your opportunities and stay there but uh, yeah, easier said than done and that's what you want from, you. that's why they're at the top of the ladder, those teams, yeah. because they got competition for spots and they've, they've got a deep list so, um, yeah, a couple that I was, uh, I don't think there was too many surprises with Ports D listings, Ladham's trade trade was, was very much uh, talked about well before it took place so I think that was uh, that, that was happening well before the uh, the actual trade deadline. But um, we also traded in Jeremy Finlayson from uh, GWS, who's a very similar player. Um, sort of plays as a tall forward and then backup ruck. Um, again, I think that was a calculated move to to move Pete Laddams out, bring Finlayson in as uh, almost a direct replacement, and also gave us a, a draft pick, which which moved us up in our, our order and gave us access to some top end talent.
0: Yeah. And, and Finlayson, you know, he's somebody who's kicked, you know, he's kicked 40 plus goals before in his career too. So, I mean, he's somebody who can, who can help you hit the scoreboard, you know, if if need be, you know. Correct. And and it wasn't as though he was a fringe player at
1: GWS. He was certainly, uh, you know, he was part of their grand final side when they played uh, a couple of years ago. So you know, it's not as though he's been a fringe player in a team in the middle of the ladder. He's been a, a first pick player in a team at the top end of the ladder. So yeah, I think he's got a fair bit to offer and, and that trade, uh, when you look back at at what it's done from a player swap and then what we've managed to get through the draft uh, Mm -hmm. it—it certainly, I think it's a win
0: um, all round. So you mentioned pick number 12, Josh Sin. I I'll be, I I will be honest with you. I lit, well, I was driving to go visit my son in Virginia during the first round of the draft. I think that was back in November if I'm not. Yeah, it was November. Um, But I don't know a great deal about him. So tell us a little bit about him.
1: Well, he was initially was touted um, uh, sort of the the year before. So I guess we we start looking uh, this year at, at the players who are going to get drafted next year. So the guys that are playing in that under 18 competition, um, mm-hmm. we uh, he was touted as a top five pick um, sort of 12 months out from the draft. He's a um, about 182 centimetre sort of so six foot two, six foot three. Uh, left foot running halfback wingman. He um, suffered a couple of uh, injuries throughout his uh, final season at uh, under 18 level and just sort of slid down the the order a little. Um, There was obviously a few players sprung up um, with a competition last year in Victoria. Basically none of those 18 year olds got to play a lot of football. So, injuries at the back end of 2020 and then not a lot of football in 21. Saw him slide down the order a little bit but I know Port were very keen to get him and, and we um, yeah, the, the Pete Laddams trade gave us a, uh, moved us up the uh, the order a little and then some live trading on the night with the West Coast Eagles so we basically gave up uh, next year's second round pick to uh, elevate another two spots up the ladder to uh, to get hold of him so yeah, we, we basically, we made two trades to get to Josh Sin, so there's no doubt our recruiting department were very keen to get him. And a good friend of mine who watches the uh, the junior competition pretty closely we mentioned his name mid year mm-hmm. last year. And yeah, I, I know he's really happy that we we got hold of him. So well, yeah, I, I think he's a, an elite talent
0: who we we probably got a little bit of a steal. And and based upon looking at at there at the the club's list, I mean, you brought in you got uh, another one of his club mates from sanding sandringham that had joined him uh with uh dante Vic- vicentini? vicentini i'm sorry Vic- vicentini yeah yeah that is yep. joining him. but then there's also somebody who looks like he came on board the year before from sandringham also so these guys probably know each other very well Yeah, with, certainly with ollie do. Lord.
1: So yep yeah ollie lord and uh look that he's one who uh while we're talking about ollie lord i've got a um I think there's some real potential with the with the kid there. He's um, he, he's a beast of a, a a kid at 19 years old. He's you know that six foot eight and around the 100 kilo mark. He's mm-hmm. he's got a really solid frame and saw a bit of uh, him playing at uh, sort of first tier level last year. And I, I think uh, yeah, I think he's got a really big future ahead of him. So uh, perhaps over the years, if we uh, we keep speaking, we might talk about him a little bit more in in time ahead, I think, but, um, yeah, look good to have a few guys who know each other because, uh, you know, moving interstate away from family. If you got right, a few right. familiar faces around, um, probably makes uh, settling in a little bit easier.
0: I, I would imagine so. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I interviewed, uh, three of the cats picks, uh, back in November who, who had all played with the Falcons, uh, the Geelong Falcons, uh, the previous year. So that was kind of, uh, kind of fun to chat with them as well so what what are your ex- expectations for this year what what is it that you think should happen with this side
1: i i think we should again be competing i, I expect us to be in that top sort of four to six bracket again i think our our core our best footballer and our best uh best players are still at the The age group where they can uh, they can compete with the best, Um, probably bar Robbie Gray, who I would think would be our only, I I guess, player who you'd say would be you know his his best football is certainly behind him. Um, Travis Boak, uh, at his age, um, he defies age with his with his preparation. He's the he is the consummate professional when it comes to preparing his body. I've
0: I've seen pictures I've seen pictures of him on Instagram that uh, you know he 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 looks like something that you know. He looks like a strong man's phone book, ripped. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just, yeah. he's a specimen. So yeah,
1: from a, an age list profile, I don't think we've got too many who are sort of going past their best football. Um, I think we've got a real lot of development in our, particularly in our front half. I think Miss Georgiades um, is ready to, to take the next step from being a you know, very promising player to a, establishing himself as a, a genuine you know, weapon up forward. Um hopefully Todd Marshall can do the same. He uh he sort of found himself um his development has been gradual but slow. Um it, it's time for for him to perhaps take that next step. And and I think we've got a few guys who um entering their fourth year, Connor Rosie in particular and and Zach Butters hopefully uh, fully fit. We didn't see the best of either of them last year. Rosie carried a, a foot injury most of the year. So I think our I think our development comes from our front half, as in our scoring power. I think we we should be able to score more in the year ahead. We I think we we've improved in that front half, mm-hmm. and our and our back half we're going to offer a little bit of opportunity to a few younger guys, uh, Lockie Jones and Marty Frederick in particular. With um, with Hartlett and Leanet sort of moving out the, those two half back, those running defenders, bringing um, giving Jones and Marty Frederick an opportunity to to establish themselves and perhaps, and and Marty Frederick, the one that I'd suggest keeping an eye on is really dynamic runner off half back and um, explosive pace. I think he's one who we can perhaps use to, to help that front half get more opportunity
0: and score more. And and as I'm reading here, it says that Marty Frederick is is from the Sudan. Yeah, correct. Okay. Okay. Um, He's not, he's not somebody that I'm familiar with.
1: Yeah, so um, he uh, his brother actually plays over for Fremantle so okay. uh, the, the, there's two uh, two of the Frederick brothers on the uh, AFL list and yeah he um, yeah, he's probably around that six foot mark and yeah lightning quick um, good ball user so I think he uh, he might be one who'd be relishing the opportunity ahead with uh, with a couple of players in his position a couple of more senior players that that played his role um, moving out of the uh, out of the club I think he'll uh, he'll perhaps blossom
0: a bit this year Okay. So how are you going to, you know, and I guess maybe we've already asked this, but how, how short of the premiership, let's, let's say, let's say that, that you're not hoisting the cup this year. Okay. And, and I know that that's what you want your side to do. It's what I want my side to do. And of course the other 16 clubs want that as well. But if that doesn't happen, how will you know it has still been a successful year?
1: Uh, it's grand final or bust for for this group, particularly okay. for the coach. Ken Hinkley enters his tenth year as as our senior coach without a grand final appearance. Um, he's the the longest serving AFL coach to have not taken his team to a grand final. Um, much conjecture about uh, his role in the in the club, and there's certainly a a, a a fair portion of our supporter base who would have been happy to to have seen Hinkley move on. Uh, and not even last year, probably the year before when mm-hmm. we offered him a contract extension. Um, he had a trigger last year to um, basically make finals or, uh, or, or his job was was gone. And, and then he was sort of offered a, an extension beyond that. So uh, look, I, I think he's had plenty of opportunity. I, I think our list profile has been uh, quality enough and established enough to have made it to a grand final. Right. Right. Having said that, it's it's bloody hard to get there. So yeah, uh, yeah, you know, only two out of eighteen do it every year, so it's not easy to do. Uh, but I think it's it's grand final or bust for us uh, okay. this year. For him, I don't think our list is at that point. Um, you know, perhaps uh, as you said, Geelong. You know, with a with an older list, there they're probably a little more uh, desperate, or you know keen to, to to take that last opportunity. I think we've we've still got a few years of um, top end talent playing yeah. at their best to, to take us to the pointy end. But yeah, it's grand final of us for us oh. in in twenty two.
0: So are you still? Uh, I remember when, when we talked previously. Are you still doing your uh, going to be doing your coffee deal with Ken Hinkley? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well, with with COVID, they've uh, they've had to uh, drop into a bit of a bubble. So don't mm-hmm. uh, don't sort of the popping, uh, don't see them quite as often as I, yeah. uh, as I once did. So yeah, they, uh, they sort of in season, they tend to uh, be in a little Stay bit of a and yes, yeah, not, not be uh, in public places quite so often, but uh, yeah, no, I'll, um, I'll look, I'll, uh, I'll I'll certainly
0: honor it if that's the case. I, I hope that I, ho- I hope that you get back to the point where you're able to do that without any reservations, that it can just be something that's, you know, that there's not a second thought for it, that you can just say, Hey coach, you know, you know, great win. I've got your coffee today. Or, oh, that's a tough one, exactly. Coach. Here's, here's what I'm going to have. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> exactly right. Still see, the odd, still see the odd player from time to time pop in. But, uh, yeah, look at um, – yeah, Ken. Uh, haven't seen Ken for a little while. But, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll certainly get him one uh, if we uh, – I oh, look, takes us all the way. I'll buy him more than a coffee.
0: There you go. There you <laughs> go. So what – and I, you know, I you don't want to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it here. Uh, and, I, and I know that you know, as you said, grand final or bust. But what what does a non a, a not successful season look like for Port Adelaide this year?
1: Um, miss top four, miss, okay. miss anything anything less than a prelim would be would be unsuccessful. I think our our list, uh, particularly our younger talent, uh, and, and a few guys who are crying out for some opportunity that I mentioned earlier. Um, they should drive us to, to top four again. Anything less than top four, I think, would be would be a failure. Okay. Um, and, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, I think yeah, the competition, very strange trading last year. Now, Melbourne didn't really trade anyone in. Over the previous years, they'd brought Stephen May, Jake Lever, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they brought in guys who developed them into the premiership team that they were. The Bulldogs had brought in a few guys. Josh Bruce, albeit he missed last year with, with a knee injury. You know, they'd brought players in who'd, who'd taken them to the next step. Um, Geelong brought in Jeremy Cameron. None of the top sort of half a dozen teams really brought in any established talent to, to take them forward. So all of those top-end teams are relying on growth from within. Yeah, what they, have, yeah. Yeah, well, like, what they I- have and... Uh, and I think we've, we've, we've got go a bit ahead. of that with our, yeah, sorry, we've got a bit of that with our sort of 50 to 60-game player, them, those third or fourth-year players who go from 50, 60 games to 70, 80 games. That mm-hmm. typically for, for AFL players is a bit of a, a development phase where you, you go from being a, a regular player to a regular contributor. Right, and right. Uh, we've got a, we've got quite a few in that group who I think can go from, you know, being being contrib- players to really contributing week in, week out.
0: Okay. So who are you the most excited about seeing this year?
1: Yeah, I've got a couple that I've written down. Um, I think Josh Sin is one who, you know, albeit a first year draftee. I think there's there's a role for him to play. Uh, I think he can come into the side fairly early on and, and make himself a role. But uh, also um, Carl Amon, who... Over the last two years, has really developed. Um, I mentioned how Todd Marshall had slowly developed, but got better and better each year. Carl Amon was was doing a similar thing, but then in 2020 really spiked, and then last year took himself to another level. Was in, you know, all Australian conversations for for a lot of the um, uh, a lot of the year, and uh, missed out at the end of the year. But I, I think he can go from. Uh, a, a good player to a star of the competition and, uh, okay. and i hope he does yeah so i think he's one who can really keep an eye on and uh, mitch georgiardy's who i mentioned earlier um got a, an amazing leap flies for the ball courageous in the air uh, a good kick at goal um looks like he's got really good game sense as well i think he can go from a go from being a a you know, 30-goal forward to someone who can kick 50, 60 goals in a season right, and right. really establish himself as a,
0: a genuine key forward of the comp. Which, uh, you know, yeah, it's just as, you know, somebody who's not a port follower, It's it It seems as though they have so many people who can come in and fill that role for them. And I, you know, I think, you know, adding Finlayson to that side is only going to help to strengthen that, you know, going forward here. Now, I, I should mention, you know, you. You know, with regards to Xavier Dursma and the whole, you know, the, the the firing of the arrow thing, which I think is just is kind of a little a cool thing. I had a, uh, you know, I I announced soccer at our school, and one of our one of our players uh, kicked a goal, and I don't I think it was a game winning goal in a uh, a state play a state playoff game, and he he did, you know, he has no idea who Xavier Dursma is. He doesn't have a clue. Doesn't know about this game at all, uh, and he did the whole you know, pulling the arrow back and firing the arrow into the air. And I, uh, <laughs> I saw him in the hallway the next day. And I said, you know, I'm going to email you this video clip here, but you know, cause it ended up that that picture ended up in the newspaper the next day. uh, You know, like a big, big photo on the, on the newspaper's website. And he's, he's actually a a fantastic wrestler. He's going to college to be a wrestler. uh, yeah. he, And uh, I showed him a little highlight video of Xavier Dersma you know, kicking goals with the arrow thing, and he thought, oh, that's pretty cool, so I, I forwarded that along to him, but, you know, because there, you know, there are so many, sim- there's some similarities between, you know, soccer and and Aussie rules that, you know, that there's some things that, that kind of carry over between the two, so, and he he's kind of a little, a tough nut of a, a player, because he's not very tall, but it's just, I just thought that was kind of, you know, fun to share with him there, so. Absolutely. What concerns do you have going into 2022? What are you worried about?
1: Probably some of the the things that I've just mentioned is, is much of a, a same, same about us. I don't feel as though we've, we've, um, we've changed much, you know, we're, we're very, um, very reliant going to Charlie Dixon in our forward half and albeit Charlie uh, is, is injured at the moment. He, he rolled an ankle quite badly and looks as though he's about four to six weeks away from getting back uh, oh, okay. into full training but yeah the fact that we we haven't changed much and uh, as they say um, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity so we um, yeah i feel like we, we've got a very much very much the same plan mm-hmm. our lineup is going to be similar i'm sure there'll be there'll be tweaks to the game plan but ultimately you you can't change much over one summer. So it concerns me that what we've been doing hasn't been good enough to go all the way. And Mm -hmm. have we changed enough to, to, to make that step um, where other sides, you know, Melbourne um, developed and changed and brought in a few players to put them to that, that next level. The Bulldogs have sort of changed their game plan a little bit and, um, gone back to some key forwards where they were you know previously playing a lot of smalls we um yeah i don't feel like we've made a lot of changes so can we can we get better without changing things that's probably my biggest concern
0: yeah it's just yep you know, the people the, the people who were already existing they're going to have to elevate their game then it's is kind of what you're you're looking exactly. at exactly yeah
1: exactly right and while, I, while i'm backing some of them to certainly do that um it's not an easy competition to to, to get better and better but we're we're we are Without doubt, one of the clubs who are banking on growth from within, Mm -hmm. and and probably, and that's not just two or three players. We we probably need seven or eight players to to go from you know you know let's say a you know B grade player to a B plus or an A minus sort of level to take us to the next step. And yeah, it it concerns me a little that we maybe haven't done enough. uh, We haven't um, shaken things up enough to to really make that move.
0: Okay, so. Who are you uh, tipping as your club's best and fairest this year? Oh,
1: look, it'd be hard to go past Ollie Wines again. I, um, Makes sense. As I said, as I, said we, uh, I live quite close to our training base, so um, have the opportunity at times to, uh, to get and see us train. And saw the guys train on Monday. And again, he looks to be in um, peak physical condition, as you'd expect this time of year. Um, also, I think Zach Butters. Um, not only internally, but around the competition, there's there's people who think that, that the kid's got pretty much unlimited potential, and hopefully with a, a good run and an injury wise, he could be one who um, who does a uh, has a dynamic season and really really plays his role. Different clubs have different uh, criteria for their best and fairest, mm-hmm. so um, some will put it a little like the Brownlow, purely, you know, fair and brilliant. Others will be based upon how the coaches felt they played their role. So it's a Port's um, best and fairest is based upon that, how the coaches feel as though that the player played their role, Um, which typically means it gives you key defenders an opportunity to, to be high up in the rankings because they do their job every week. They get votes. So, but I I think, yeah, I think wines, uh, butters and, um, yeah, I'll throw Mitch Giorgiades in because I, I think he's in for a breakout year. I think he could be the guy who goes from, yeah, as I said, being a, a contributor to a star.
0: Okay. So you've got, uh, you know, looking at your fixture for this year, you know, you've, you've of course got the two games with Adelaide, but then yep. you're, you're also doubling up with Essendon and Geelong, Melbourne, and a club that I think could be right back in the thick of things again this year with Richmond. Agree. You know, it's, yeah, yes, we, it's You got a tough. You got a tough fixture this year.
1: Yeah, I think our um, I think our fixture is reflective of, of finishing where we did. Mm-hmm. Obviously, finish up the top. You expect a harder draw the next year. But uh, Melbourne, the reigning premier twice, doesn't get any harder than that. Right. Um, Geelong, um, you know, never easy to beat wherever you play them. You know, like consummate professionals, never easy to beat. Uh, Essendon, probably looking at a little bit of improvement out of them. They'd expect to to be from outside of the eight to, to contending. Um, I agree with Richmond. They had a, a massive hand at the draft. They picked up, I think they had five players in the top 30 that they brought in. So they only need two or three of those to come in. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they traded in a key defender to, to help them out as well. So they, uh, I agree they'll jump back up and, and whilst Adelaide have been uh, pretty ordinary for a couple of years, uh, I expect them to improve uh, as well. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think we have got a pretty hard draw when it comes to the double ups, but um, uh, you got to beat them wherever you play them. So hopefully, right. Uh, right. yeah, right. Hopefully, uh, I think more than ever, when your draw is tough, your home games become even more crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously play those top teams home and away, so winning those home games is is imperative.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, what is your Big bold prediction for the club this year.
1: Oh, I got asked this the other day, and I actually went with a negative one that we drop, that we drop down the ladder a little bit. But uh, I'll, I'll go glass half full, and I'll say, um, yeah, I'll say Mitch Georgardi's kicks fi- over fifty goals, and um, we finish top four again.
0: Okay, that's that's good. That's good. But but here's, I guess, this is the question I'm going to ask, ask. have to ask. Seventeen of the clubs this year. Seventeen of the club supporters this year. Can anybody stop Melbourne?
1: Good question. Um, I think I think they can. Um, it's given given how brutal the competition is. It's only it's only a, a, some injuries at the wrong time of the year or some mm-hmm. some form at the wrong time of the year um, can uh, can hurt. I think. I think Melbourne are without question the the team to beat. Uh, I, I, I think Port, the Bulldogs, and Brisbane are are in the bracket just behind them. I think Brisbane are, are primed. They've had a two final series in a row where they've been knocked out in straight sets. I think they won't let that happen again. I think right. they're they're ready to uh, to establish themselves as a contender this year. Uh, so I think yeah, I, I've got Melbourne way out in front. Um, Bulldogs, Port and Brisbane in the next bracket, and then uh, and then probably uh, Geelong. Uh, I think GWS will probably improve a little bit as well. And yeah, I think Richmond is the surprise packet this year, and there'd be a group of players there that'd think um, one more. Let's uh, let's see yeah. if we can uh, we can that, grab one more while we're together.
0: That wouldn't and, surprise uh, me. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I think they'll be the uh, the the real risers in the competition.
0: So are you, uh, you know, this is going to get away from the men's comp here for just a moment, but are you excited about the, the women's team coming into the AFLW side in 2023?
1: Certainly am. Certainly am. So signed up as a foundation member, both my wife and myself. Terrific. Uh, we, um, as I mentioned, we, we only live walking distance from our, our training base, which will also be our, our home ground for our AFLW and our, um, the club has recently announced a $30 million uh, expansion and development. So our, our high performance centre, our uh, indoor training facility is going to be expanded. We're going to offer uh, increase our, uh, the footprint of the, the training facility. So uh, the AFLW side is going to have uh, space to, uh, to work in. Our, um, as I said, our you know, I guess our gym and our you know pool and all of that type of equipment is is going to be expanded and upgraded. We we haven't had a, a, a serious upgrade in our performance centre since uh, pretty much entering the AFL early two thousand. So whilst it's served its purpose, it's probably one of the more uh, antiquated facilities in the competition. So upgrading that and. And, uh, and our club, so our, uh, our our members facility, if you like, so our licensed venue, mm-hmm. you know, meals and drinks and gaming venue type uh, is also currently undergoing a redevelopment. So okay. this time next year when uh, when the AFLW start, it's going to be a – that whole precinct is going to be upgraded, uh, ready for, for the – not only for the women, but for uh, our, our local competition. And, yeah, it's a, a facelift that's been sorely needed. But, um, yeah, look, I'm excited about the AFLW. It, it'll finally next year, it'll be all 18 clubs. will have Mm -hmm. sides. Um, I'll be able to walk around and go and watch the games and yeah, really looking
0: forward to it. Terrific. Well, I wanted to wrap up tonight with, uh, a handful of trivia questions that I have put together for you here. So we'll see, Yeah, we'll see how I'm ready. We'll see how you do on these. Okay. So here, here's, are you, are you, are you psyched up? Have you studied? I'm,
1: haven't studied at all.
0: So okay all right read how we go. <clears throat> okay. Who led the club in meters gained per game in 2021? Gee, you have
1: you've, you've started off tough. Um I'm gonna go with Carl Amon. That's my first guess. But uh you don't you
0: don't need a second guess then.
1: I don't need a second guess. All yes. right, we're off to a good yep.
0: start. So <laughs> almost almost four hundred and eighty meters per game. So Okay, so this one might be a little bit more challenging. This one might be, okay? Uh, Besides GWS and Gold Coast, who came into the comp later, which club has the fewest wins all time against Port Adelaide?
1: Wow, that uh, that one is going to be a little bit tougher. I... uh... I'm initially going to suggest Carlton. However, that uh, that may not have been the case through the early 2000s. So, I, I'm going to have two. I'm going to say it's either Carlton or Essendon.
0: It would be St Kilda with 11.
1: St Kilda. Wow. Yep. Well, there you go. Yep. Um, they, I didn't have them on my list.
0: Now, if if I read correctly, the the, the club came into the into the comp in '97, correct? correct okay good because you'd mentioned 2000 and I'm thinking boy I hope I didn't screw up these couple of questions that I had here <laughs> okay <laughs> no, no. so who did Port defeat for their first AFL win in round three of 97 Hawthorne as much as I hate to say it it was Geelong
1: it was Geelong it was yep. Geelong yeah, a, yeah I certainly recall our first loss I was there at the MCG for uh our very first game at AFL level when Collingwood uh, gave us an absolute, uh, absolute pantsing, but uh, it was Geelong. Well, I'll have to remember that one and remind you next time we speak.
0: (laughs) Now (laughs) who, who did Port play and lose to in their first qualifying final in 1999?
1: I feel like this might be a trick question and it would be Geelong again, but uh, 99. It's not, it's not, it is not uh 99 was uh well north melbourne were previous that year yeah there you go
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm not going to let you continue to try to answer it if you if you toss out the right answer there okay now who led the club in total tackles in 2021
1: oh i'm gonna say uh, i would think ollie wines but it may um it may be a uh a little bit left field there perhaps and uh be willem drew
0: exactly 164 that's that's impressive that you got that i like that i like that now we've got two more questions they're both about the 2021 season okay okay uh Let's go with the let's go with the, the the negative question here before we go to the positive one. Which player had the lowest disposal efficiency percentage for the year?
1: Oh, lowest disposal efficiency for the year. Someone who keeps kicking the ground instead of kicking the ball. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, go with someone in our uh, perhaps in our in our forward line because uh, our back line is fairly reliable. Um, Todd Marshall.
0: Orazio Fantasia.
1: Oh, it was one of our forward
0: line. (laughs) Yeah.
1: 57%. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's how well i kick him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hey, you're over there. Tell tell him you want to, you know, tell him you want to go ahead and take that key forward spot. Well, 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 big dicks is out with the ankle.
1: Well, look, by some fitness and talent, I could do it. (laughs) There you go.
0: There you go. Now, last question. Which player on the club had the highest percentage of time on ground? And he played all 24 games last year.
1: Ooh. I know Dixon spends a lot of time on the ground. He doesn't tend to get off very often. Um... Midfield would rotate through and perhaps a defender, uh, Tom Jonas. Unfortunately
0: not. Nope, it's a it Lear was, Lear. And, <laughs> I, defender, I was, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to need to go back and look at some of these numbers for other clubs. But he was out there 96.5% of the time, which is, well, I, they, is just really, really high.
1: Yeah, look, as I said, I narrowed it down to defenders. The yeah. key defenders typically don't tend to tend to spend too much time off the ground. Obviously, the midfielders with the running, they do. They tend right, to chop right. out fairly regularly. And key forwards often go into the ruck. So find themselves getting a rest after that. But, uh, well, uh, 96% of game time, that yeah. is, uh,
0: is unbelievable. Especially it's,
1: it's, uh, the fact he played all 24 games as well. Yeah,
0: it's huge. It's yeah. huge. So last thing for you today before we wrap up. Will we see the prison bars this year? Yes. Against Collingwood, yeah. I hope.
1: <laughs> it certainly won't be against Collingwood. Certainly won't be against Collingwood. Yeah. I, I, I believe we will. I think we will. Um, I, I think a decision will finally be made and uh, allow us to wear it once Good. a year and acknowledge our history. And yeah, Good. I certainly hope so. And I certainly back it.
0: Yeah. I I post I posted something on Twitter last year when I believe because I believe they played Collingwood in Melbourne last year, and Correct. I. I, I, I put something on there. I said, wouldn't it be a shame if the, the port president gets on the phone after the flight leaves to head to, uh, to Melbourne and say, Hey, we packed the wrong bags and all we brought were the prison bars with us. Sorry guys. Sorry <laughs> guys. We're going to have to wear that one. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to do that. You're going to have to wear your practice jumpers this game and see, how, <laughs> and, see and just wa- watch what happens with the port, with the uh, Adelaide, uh, the Melbourne, fi- the Collingwood fans. I'm going to just run through the whole damn list of the, of clubs there before I nail <laughs> nailed down the, the correct cl- club there. So you uh you've got the podcast starting back up here in a couple of weeks you know when you got the scratch match between the you know the, the club happening here fairly soon or you know you have got a, you know you're positive about you know what's going to be happening here you're very excited um as you should be cuz Port Adelaide is a, is a terrific side you know I I have to tell you I do I do like the color combination of, of their their jumpers I think it's just a really sharp combination um you know I did I'm not changing sides because of that but i just think it's a, it's a great looking combination and i uh you know i actually just uh i just put up a uh charlie dixon sticker up on my desk at school as well so i uh you know <laughs> fantastic yeah i've got fantastic. that one up, you know up next to an aaron phillips one who i keep hearing rumblings that you know when the, the port side comes in next year that aaron phillips might be finding her way to, to port adelaide i've been hearing yeah, and, rumblings about that. yeah
1: Erin's Aaron's, Aaron's father, Greg Phillips, is a, a legend of the Port Adelaide Football Club, uh, okay. former captain, um, several-time premiership player, and and one of the, um, I guess, one of the biggest characters that uh, the Port Adelaide Football Club's ever had, so she was certainly Port Adelaide through and through as a, as a child, and then... Uh, yeah, she um, obviously when the the AFLW mm-hmm. started and, and the Crows started off, she she moved there. Um, WNBA champion mm-hmm. as well, so yep. yeah, yeah, a triple threat as they uh, as they say, uh, yeah, a, a quality uh, quality person, and yeah, I'd, I'd like to think perhaps she uh, comes back to her uh, her roots again one day. But yeah, look, mate, well, thank you ahead. for having me on.
0: Uh, you I'm bet, yeah. Enjoyed, it, this has been a lot of fun. This has been a lot of fun, and I. I uh, I wish Port, Adela- Port Adelaide all the luck in the world 20 times this year, but not 22 times. <laughs> uh, I exactly. hope like, I hope they lay an absolute egg twice this year, but uh, going 20 and two wouldn't be bad. That would probably get you up there towards the top of the ladder. But uh,
1: so like <laughs> yeah,
0: that. my guest uh, today has been David Lloyd of the Corn the Pear podcast. David, I appreciate you taking time out of your morning and uh, enjoy getting over there to, to watch the practice. Uh, I think that's a little bit later on today, but I know you got some stuff you need to take care of today, but thanks a bunch for coming on. I truly appreciate it, man.
1: Thank you very much for having me, and uh, to all your listeners, um, uh, keep supporting Craig. He's doing uh, a wonderful job, and uh, he's as passionate a person as I speak to when it comes to uh, the Australian Rules competition, and, yeah, keep supporting and listening to uh, Yank on the Footy because it's, uh, yeah, he... he he burns both ends for uh, for this podcast, so keep tuning in and supporting him. He, he does a great job.
0: And I did not write that down anywhere or send that to him. I, I th- Thank you, David. I truly appreciate that. That was, that was very kind of you. I appreciate that. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. You bet. And a huge thank you to David Lloyd for being so generous with his time. Just absolutely kind words that he uh, said there at the end, and I'm, I'm humbled by them. He's an absolute gentleman, and I truly appreciate his wisdom and his uh, camaraderie when it comes to being involved with this wonderful, wonderful game. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that you can reach me at my website, Yankonthefooty.com but also by email at ayankonthefooty at gmail.com, over on Twitter at yank underscore on. You can certainly DM me there. I check those usually every day, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at footy. If you haven't done so yet, I do invite you to sign up for the mailing list. You can do that over again on my uh, website. And when a new episode of the podcast comes out, it will go into your mailbox, in your inbox, before it ends up anywhere else. And when I start doing live episodes here very soon, I will send out a note to all of the uh, people on the mailing list to let them know that that's going on if they want to hop on and be part of that live episode. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to thank you for listening. We're just a couple of weeks away from this season getting started. A lot of the clubs got to play their initial practice matches this weekend. It was a lot of a lot of fun to see uh, clubs back out there for the first time on the men's side. And the women's comp absolutely is heating up. We had some great games this weekend. I just finished watching the... Suns and Saints game, and congratulations to St. Kilda getting their first win. But, folks, I appreciate your continued kind words. Again, if you want to leave a review for the podcast, you can do that over on my website. And, as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 132 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. And you can find me on Instagram and on Facebook at a yank on the footy. And check out the website, a yank on the Again, thank you for listening. And I do hope you'll consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye.